have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to open up to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, starting in uh, verse 12, is where we're going to be at today. If you don't have your Bible, but you have your uh, electronic device with version on it, it's on there as well. And if you don't have one of those, it'll be up here on the screen as we read. But even before we get to that, I want to let you know we're here to celebrate communion today. We're here to celebrate and give thanks to what Christ did for us. Now, we do it a little bit different than, uh, than a lot of churches do. Um, instead of actually passing the elements or, or having a specific time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit here, and then I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and I'm going to talk a little more, and the band will come back up, and we'll kind of go back and forth. But after I'm done here, uh, the first time, I'm just going to open up the table. And as I open up the table, I want you to come as you feel led, anytime between now and the end of the service, and, and come uh, as your heart is ready, because that's really what it's all about. It's so easy for us to beca- make this a ritual, so easy for us to say, okay, yeah, it's communion, we're going to do that, we're just going to take it as a family, we're going to take it as an individual, took some bread, took some juice, all is good. But th- that's not what it's about, because when you really stop and really think about communion, we are here because of what this table represents. We are here and able to worship because of what this table represents, the death and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is just an amazing thing to think about. And as we are there, um, I, I want to uh, share with you uh, kind of what happened a little bit this week. On Wednesday night, we were doing Minute to Win It with, uh, with our youth and had a really good, good crowd here, and we're having a lot of fun. And, and uh, about halfway through it, it started not feeling good. And uh, I'm not sure about you, but, but um, I hate not feeling good. Uh, it, it, there, it, you don't think about not feeling good until you don't feel good. Like when you're feeling happy and fine and healthy, you're like, yeah, that's all good. You don't give thanks for being happy and healthy and fine until you don't feel good. And you're like, I just want to be able to breathe through my nose again. That's all I want. And all week I was just congested. And it wasn't like I was feeling sick. I just didn't feel good. And I had like this cloud and I'm not sure if you've ever been in that cloud where you just can't focus on anything. And I figured out that NyQuil doesn't help. Um, uh, it, it, it just puts you in a bigger cloud. And so I was in this big cloud the whole time and just trying to, trying to focus and trying to get there. And then I realized it, it really actually fits with the message that we're going to look at today in John chapter 8. So I don't know if God did that to me on purpose, but, but really, if, if you look at this entire chapter we're going to look at, we're going to start in verse 12 and go all the way to verse 59. I know that's a lot of verses in there. But as you see, it's going to be Jesus talking to Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I bring clarity. I'm telling you the truth right here, right now. And they're saying, we're in a cloud. We have no idea what you're talking about. And that's really what's going on in the whole passage. So if you have your Bibles open, John chapter 8, starting in verse 12, we're going to read through verse 30 here to begin with. And we're going to talk about that in the first part here. And this is what it says. And Jesus spoke again to them. And as he says again, it's because he's picking up from where he left off. We just talked about last week about the the woman coming uh, before him that had been accused of adultery and and caught in the very act of adultery. And just before that, he was already teaching and he was going through some different things with them, talking about being the the, the water that that fills the thirsty soul. And as you, you continue on in this, he says again, he begins to speak. And as he speaks, he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. 
I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And you'll notice if you're one of those ones who likes to circle or highlight in your Bible, how many times he says the Father or gives reference to the Father by saying he. There's this, it's me and the Father kind of thing here. So it goes from here in verse 17. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. Now you want to pause here for just a second. This is Jesus talking. Jesus' father is God. These are Pharisees that he's talking to who are supposed to be the religious elite. What did he just tell them? You don't know God. You are a religious elite. Do not know God. This is going to launch the rest of this chapter, okay? So that's a very important thing for us to hold on to. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Basically saying, I am that Messiah that all that stuff you've studied throughout the entire Old Testament, I'm the Messiah that it points to. But you guys are missing it. And because you're missing me, you don't know God. He hasn't revealed that to you. And it goes on from here and he says, These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, and it says I am he in these scriptures here, but the actual original translation is is I am, as if when Moses said, who am I supposed to say sent me? And God says, I am. That's the same I am. So right here, he is claiming to be God. And so you can imagine, there's a little bit of tension building up with the Pharisees right here. He says, I told you that you would die in your sin, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, which means when they put him on the cross, then you will know that I am, once again, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. See, Jesus is here, and he's bringing clarity to who he is. He's laying out who he is. He's telling them, I am he. I am God. And he's bringing this clarity. He's bringing it to the Jews and the Pharisees, and he's also bringing it to us. How does he do that? Well, he tells us right at the beginning of the passage, I am the light of the world. What's that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to mean to us? Well, when he's speaking to us, he's saying, I'm the light of the world. You live in darkness. You stumble along. You have congestion in your head all the time. You walk in a, in a non-focused cloud. You're always in a fog. I am the light of the world. I'm the one who's going to pull you out of that. I'm the one who's going to help you understand. The light is what we're supposed to hold on to. And as we see it, he says, I am the light. And then it shifts. It shifts to say, hey, I'm the light, but there's this idea that me and the Father were one. I'm related to him. You don't know him and all that stuff. How does that fix in there? That seems kind of like a little detour took right there. 
seems like he took a little left turn, and he's going a little bit a different way, but that's not really what he's doing. He's actually explaining how he's the light of the world. He's the light of the world because the Father has sent him. And he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, when we look at that, we can see all different sorts of things. People will actually preach an entire message on the fact he says, I am the light of the world. But there's two other words in there that really stand out to me. And those two words are, will have. Will have. If we follow him, we will have the light of life. You know what that also means on the flip side? That if we do not follow him, we will not have the light of life. How many things do we hold on to? How many things do the Pharisees hold on to? How many different rituals do we hold on to? As we come to the table, how many times have you ever taken communion as a ritual versus an actual celebration and in remembrance of God and what he's done? I can say I have. I can say it was the second Sunday every night, every Sunday night of the month. The second Sunday is when we took communion in my church in Phoenix. That's just the way we did it. I actually had to lead it one time, and man, I butchered it something fierce. As a matter of fact, we had these giant stacks of trays that were like this, and I went to pick them up, and they caught each other, and it all flipped. And I went, ha, ah. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's all you can do in a situation like that. But, you know, it was just kind of one of those ritual things that sometimes we just get accustomed to doing. It's just a second Sunday, so that's what we do, or whatever it might be. And that's kind of the reason why we do it differently, because it's not about the ritual. It's not about following or doing the good things or those things. Those things all come because we know God, not because we want to make ourselves better, or because we think we could do it on our own. That's where the Pharisees were at. And he's saying... I am the light of the world. I'm the one that's going to bring you through. I'm the one that when the junk hits the fan, you know, we live in a broken world. We know there's death. We know there's disease. We know there's hurt. We know there's pain. We know there's divorce. How do people outside the church get through those things? Sometimes I just, I cringe to think about it. I don't, I don't know how. Because for me, I have a light that brings me through the darkness. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That light, even if it doesn't stop and brighten itself here on earth, I know I have salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the end of the tunnel. At the end of this life, I know I have eternity with him. And that's what we celebrate right here at this table. That is what Jesus is laying out here. Look what he says in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And verse 30 is their response. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. What a huge shift that took place there. They realized that they were walking in darkness. They realized they were walking in ritual. They realized they were just going through the motions. And he came. They got to see the light face to face. How amazing must that have been? Although, there's something here that, that kind of stood out to me. As we see this amazing power to, to set us free, that going free, the, the idea of, of giving my all, laying myself down, I lay my pride aside, I lay my, my, myself down in front of you, God, which means I'm giving up my all. And, and we see this kind of come to the place here, but you know, how often do we just kind of go through the motions? How often do we just sing a song or come to church on a Sunday or just be a part of something on a Saturday night or go to something during the week and have a, have a fellowship time or whatever it might be? And, and we feel that that's it. We feel that we've, we've hit where we need to hit at. How often do we come to this table and understand what Jesus did? Like I said, those guys have to see him face to face. And sometimes we think, well, what if we got to? How did they believe in this passage? Was it because 
he did an amazing miracle? Was it because he reached out and he healed a sick kid? Was it because he went over and he raised somebody from the dead? Was it because that he healed a leper? In this passage, what did he do? He merely spoke to him. He spoke the words of truth. When we say, man, I wish we had Jesus right here, we do. We have his words of truth right here in front of us. And, you know, when we look at this table and we realize what he actually did, we come with a heart of thanks. We come with a heart of gratitude. We come with a heart that, that we remember what he did and we reflect on why he would do it. Because when I really think about it, why would he die for me? Why would he die for you? We are far from him. We are so very separated because of our sin, walking in darkness. Why would he come down here to be the light? to guide us through that if we follow him, we will have the light of life. Why would he do that? That's what I want you to think about today. And as you think about it, to respond accordingly, we come with a heart of gratitude and awe and amazement. Our eyes are opened. They're, they're lit up by the light to see the truth that he is because we are free and we're not walking in darkness. Here in a minute, I'm going to invite the band to come back up, but, but we're going to sing a, a song that just talks about his amazingly glorious love. The words of the second verse say this, you lived a sinless life, yet you were crucified. You bought our freedom on the cross. Forsaken for our sin, you died and rose again. Jesus, you're the Lamb of God. How glorious is your love? How glorious is your love? Because when we really think about it, we can't sing that when we're walking in darkness, can we? When you're walking in darkness, you can't really say, hey, yeah, that God, he's, he's pretty all right. Uh, we'll lift some praise up to him just for a Sunday. Now, that's, that we can't do that because when you really think about what he did for us, it changes everything. And like uh, the next song after that we sing, it'll say, when we realize what he did, it leads us to worship. And that worship leads us to communion. That's a huge thing. So as we come, excuse me, as we come to the table, I want you to think about that. And you don't have to come right away. Come as you feel necessary to celebrate the body broken and the blood poured out. That's my challenge to you today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus who came, who put on flesh, who walked among us, but didn't just come to hang out. He came with a purpose, a purpose to lead, a purpose to lead by example, and a purpose to go to the cross, to die for our sins. And Lord, as we come, it says even on that night that you took the bread, you gave thanks. Today we give thanks. Every day, we give thanks for the salvation that we have. God, speak to our hearts. We come to this time of reflection as we come to this time of coming to the table and remembering exactly what you did and what that sacrifice was worth. Pray it in your name. Amen. As we continue to look at John chapter 8, start in verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, Going back to verse 30, that they just believed. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you can say you will become free? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains in the house forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, as this continues, you will see this um, whole idea of this banter that's taking place back and forth between the two. There's a there's an idea of what is what is the truth and what the Pharisees think is true. There's an idea of the light, and there's the idea of what's walking in darkness and the darkness that is taking place there. So let's continue on from there. So I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. I already know what you guys are. You don't have to explain that to me. Yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That's not what Abraham would do, or that's not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if you, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I cannot, or I'm, I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are the father, uh, you are of, of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of all lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason that you do not hear is that you are not of God. Now just pause there for a second. Who is he talking to again? The Pharisees, the religious elite, the ones who should know God. He's just called them sons of the devil. Pause for just a second. I mean, when we read the Bible, we kind of take it and we say, hey, yeah, that's all good. And we just kind of read it and, and we read it for what it is and the words that are on the page. Pause for just a second. He just went to the religious elite, the ones who follow every rule, who make the rules and said, hey, by the way, uh, the devil's your father. God's my father. The devil's your father. Sorry. You know, that is what's taking place here. So you can feel the tension that's taking place. And the Jews answer him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are? And Jesus says, huh, uh, if I glorify myself, I, my glory is nothing. It's my father who glorifies me and whom I say he's our God. But you, once again, don't know him. I know him, you don't. And if I were to say that I don't know him, I'd be a liar like you. 
But I do not know him, or I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews were like, what? You're not even 50 years old yet. How have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And I can imagine in a movie here, all right, that they'd be like, bum, bum, bum. And it'd be like all kinds of crazy, and people would be like, is going on and they all bent over to pick up rocks because they wanted to kill him so they picked up stones to throw at him but jesus hid himself and went out of the temple what's he doing here what is going on what's going on is he is laying out the truth i am the truth i am the way i am the life i am the light of the world i am the bread of life this is what i am i am trying to tell you the truth and you are not listening and that's why he said at the beginning here so jesus said to the jews in verse 31 who had believed in him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free you'll be free from all that religious ritual all that religious bondage and the bondage of sin if you believe and abide my word what's it mean to abide it means to accept without exception and to live in do we live in his word do we accept it for what it truly is or do we add to it or do we question it like it said back up in verse 24 i told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that i am you will die in your sins unless you believe the truth that who jesus is you know what that truth is a hard pill to swallow it's a very hard pill to swallow because he's saying he's the only way to heaven John would let us know that again in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He's laying this out for everybody. He is the way. It means that it doesn't matter how good of a person that I am, I can't do it on my own. Well, guess what? The Pharisees were struggling with that. And my guess is there's been a point in time in your life that you have struggled with that. And as we see this, he says here in verse 45, But because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. You don't believe the truth. You don't want to believe the truth. You don't want to believe that you can't do it on your own. People not believing in the truth then and today, it takes away from the power of what's represented in this table. See, it's not Jesus plus something else that gets us to heaven. But how often do we try and believe that? How often do we try and convince ourselves of that? How often do we say, well, it can't just be Jesus. But when it is, And it comes right down to it. And we look at it. If this wasn't sufficient, then why did he come at all? If it had to be Jesus plus, why would he even bother coming at all? I mean, let that soak in for just a second. It says they were trying to kill him because he was speaking words of truth. Don't we try and kill the truth sometimes? Don't we understand the truth, but yet we want to kill it because we want to believe something maybe a little bit more? Look what it says in verse 33. They answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The sons remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. See, they were going back to their lineage of Abraham. They were saying, no, look at our religious heritage. How many times have you ever talked to somebody about that? About, hey, you know, I just wondered, where do you go to church? Well, you know, I don't go to church, but my, my grandma, she was, man, I'll tell you what, she was always in church. And she told me about Jesus. Okay. 
aunt. Well, my dad, he was a deacon in the church, and he would, he would have to go on Tuesdays to these meetings if he wanted to. And, and so that, that's, that's where that he, would, uh, he was good. He would do that kind of thing. How many times do we say, well, I go to church and I tithe and, and I try and make sure to make it as often as I possibly can. And, and that, that should be enough, right? You know, it's called justification. We have this idea that we can justify ourselves through our lineage, through our heritage, through being born in America. That's, that's one of the classic ones. Well, I, I was born a Christian. I was born in America. You know, that was, that's the, the reality that people actually have in their head. But when we think about that, what is the point of this? If that were the truth, if Jesus was not the all-sufficient sacrifice, what is the point of him going to the cross? As a matter of fact, Galatians 2.21 tells us that. There's a whole bunch of verses that actually tell us the fact that it, it's about celebrating what he did because we couldn't do it. There's nothing that we could do to get to heaven on our own. The only thing was him building a bridge between us and God. That is it. Check out what these verses say if you don't think the cross is enough. Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Not in me. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to receive by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Romans 4.25. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. It wasn't our justification that we were doing on our own. It was him being raised for it. Romans 5.9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, not by our own works, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Galatians 2.21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, by my works, by doing things, then Christ died for no purpose. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Which Scriptures would that be? Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. 1 Peter 2, 4, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. But his wound, by his wounds, we have been healed. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in that light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That is why we celebrate today. That is why we give thanks. It's not because of anything that we do. There is no ritual that we can complete and say, hey, look what I've done. Like these, these Jews and these Pharisees kept saying, well, we're related to, well, we've done this. How dare you? How could you possibly? And Jesus is saying, listen, guys, I'm the light of the world. No man comes to the Father except through me. And verse after verse after verse, and I only just touched on a couple of them, say that it is not by our works, but by his work on the cross, his pouring out of blood, his breaking of his body that washes us clean.
And once again, that is why we celebrate at this table today. God, we are thankful. We are so very thankful for who you are and what you have done. And we look at this table. And God, help us. If, if we've taken it already today or if we're in the process of getting ready to, help us to see what it really means that you would die for me that you would have your body broken and beaten and tortured for me, that you'd have a crown of thorns put on your head, that you'd have spit spat on you for me, that not only that, you'd have nails in your hands and in your feet and you'd hang on a cross and be mocked by people just like me so that you could have a relationship with me, so that you would build that bridge, so that we could celebrate and worship you and live for you and be changed by you and become more like you every day so that at the end of this life we would have an eternity spent with you what an awesome thing that is jesus you paid it all not some but all and all to you i owe pray it in your name amen